Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum. Sewers on the Boulevard. We're out to lunch with Stephanie Regal. Stephanie Regal is a broadcaster and editor of Baton Rouge Business Report. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Louisiana has gotten a lot of attention over the last 15 years for the program that transformed the Bayou State into Hollywood South. And even though the tax credits that attracted major motion pictures to studios in Baton Rouge, New Orleans, and Shreveport have been scaled back by the legislature in recent months, Baton Rouge is still very much a hotbed for the digital arts. In fact, long before anyone had ever heard of entertainment industry tax credits, one Baton Rouge company was building a brand in the audio side of the business. That company is PreSonus Audio Electronics, which is a leading designer and manufacturer of audio recording and live sound software, hardware, and related accessories. PreSonus' products are used worldwide for recording, sound reinforcement, broadcast, sound design, and internet audio. And in its 21-year history, the company has grown from a startup in the proverbial basement, yeah, these guys really did start out in a basement, to a powerhouse with revenues of some $60 million last year. Jim Odom is the man who started it all, or co-founded it all mm -hmm. at least. Jim, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. Well, while PreSonus is leading the way locally on the technological side of the digital arts, my next guest is on the creative side of the business and racking up awards for its videos, advertisements, TV shows, and film shorts. The company is Tommy's TV, and in its five-year existence, it has produced work for homegrown businesses, nonprofit organizations, and national clients that include Walmart, MTV, NBC, Discovery Channel, and A&E. Tommy Talley is the company's founder. He was just in high school when Jim founded PreSonus, but back then he had his eyes on the digital arts and spent the next decade making it happen. It's a great story. Tommy, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you, Stephanie. Well, Jim, I'd like to begin with you. Everybody hears the basement story, Apple, Microsoft. You and your partner really did get your start in a basement. What was it that motivated y'all to start tinkering this? What was wrong with the audio equipment out there at the time that made you think you could do it better? Well, I don't know if there's anything particularly wrong. We just saw holes in the market for products that would assist us in mixing. Uh, mixing is a process of, of making a finished product of a song, right? Mm -hmm. uh, prepare it for commercial release. We saw holes in the marketplace for automation systems in the early 90s. Okay. okay? Um, and so we went into development of a... Uh, an eight-channel uh, automation system that ended up um, in in Broadway, for example, you know, automating shows, things like that. Also, ended up in a lot of recording studios. So, um, Did we saw. Did they not have mm -hmm. any of this technology at that time? Oh, absolutely, it existed, um, but it existed for one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and. Um, our first product was about $1,500 that added uh, automation to uh, to recording systems. So, in other words, you were able to make it available to whole new markets mm -hmm. that they couldn't access it before. Exactly. How did you all do this? Well, it was a lot of late nights, 
um, uh, a lot of time away from our families, you know, that was kind of, kind of difficult at times, but uh, we raised a tiny bit of capital mm -hmm. uh, from my, my father actually uh, lent us some money. Uh, we, we built our first prototype over about a six month period and released it at a trade show in Los Angeles in 1995. And what we did is we showed up with a 10 by 10 booth, a couple of graphics, our box, which was barely running, you know, and, um, and turned it on, and we got top 10 products of the show. This was wow. And so, that, so you know, uh, sort of emboldened, we went, we went home and quit our jobs and started a new company. <laughs> so. That's so <laughs> great. You were an engineer, mm -hmm. obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, were you always interested in music as well, though? Mm -hmm. and, and so, growing up, did you ever envision yourself doing this? I, I think I envisioned myself doing this by the time I was 15 or 16 years old, I really did. Um, my family is, is uh, engineers, engineer background. And um, my father had a company that uh, manufactured uh, sonar equipment for the Navy, and so I used to go tinker around when I was a kid at, at, his, at his company. and. Um, and I played music professionally okay. for years. Um, I was in a band called Louisiana LaRue. I'm still in that band, and we still play. Many of us have heard of that band. Right, I and so I spent about three years you know, with RCA Records, on, and, and, and I fortunately got to spend a whole lot of time in, uh, in fabulous recording studios watching um, you know, really good engineers work, and I learned uh, how to mix and uh, record music at that time. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to come back to you, but we're going to visit with Tommy for a minute. And while PreSonus is on the audio side of the business and the technology side of the business, you're on the artistic creative side. You always wanted to be since seeing a Wes Anderson <laughs> film. You're not really making feature-length films so much, although maybe that's still one of your goals. What, what do you do at Tommy's TV? Uh, I know you do a lot. Yeah, Tommy's TV is a commercial video production company. Uh, we call ourselves Turnkey market ourselves that way, which is you can come to us with an idea, whether you're a commercial entity, um, whether you're uh, looking to tell your story through documentary, like um, you know, a school who wants to document the football team's journey that season. We can do uh, anywhere along that run. We don't really work in feature. A lot of my guys come from feature land. Um, I realized when I moved to Los Angeles in 03, I wanted to do everything. I wanted to make movies, <laughs> but I didn't know what I was talking about. I was 22 years old and right. got into my first feature set and was like, this is miserable. What um, didn't you like about it? It's slow. It's hurry up and wait. It's months on end. And I just wanted a camera and I just wanted to go see cool things, meet cool people, you know, travel. Right. And so honestly, reality TV, as bad as it can be, the early days had some cool stuff. Moved to Los Angeles. Um, I got a job actually in Baton Rouge, dropped out of LSU. BET was shooting College Hill. Okay. And Here I got in Baton Rouge. Yep, okay. and I was at Southern University for three months, making $350 a week on a six-day week. Wow. And I cut my teeth doing that. I got put in what's called a Pelco room, which is where hidden cameras were, or sorry, I guess the overhead security cameras were, <laughs> to follow the students around, and we could track them for producers and then use it as some of the footage. Became a master, you know, pretty much a master of that over three months. Um, and then the tech supervisor on that invited me to move to Los Angeles and uh, got a job on Punked first week in Los Angeles and uh, became a hidden camera guy. Just started in reality TV. So, yeah, that's a lot and of this where was the, the, the early days of yeah. reality TV. Yeah, so you it were was. sort of there and the cutting your teeth at the ground level. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Biggest Loser, I mean, MTV's Paris Hilton's BFF. We did Tequila <laughs> Tequila stuff. I mean, and that's kind of where it kind of started to end for me is you've got married, I had two daughters at the time, and you're sitting there in our 
control room with basically producers who made their um, careers off of daytime talk, and they were using that skill set to manipulate people and make reality house reality shows. Mm -hmm. And at that point, you have mice in a cage, you control them, you know, you're like doing an interview with them and you're like, is it weird to you that Jennifer was talking bad about you last night? And she's like, Jennifer was talking bad about <laughs> And before you know it, someone's grabbing someone by the hair and you have a fight and you're making oh. great TV. <laughs> so yeah, it was a beat down, but there was a lot of story elements I learned. I mean, so much of the story in terms of creating a lot of the documentary style stuff we do know is about asking the right questions. It's about understanding your sound bites. And in reality TV, you got a really steady dose of that in terms of understanding the audio and how you could use it to tell a story. So then you moved back to Baton Rouge in 2009. What brought you back here? Was it the tax credit program and the opportunities you saw here? It was not. It was more of my wife being done with Los Angeles and I was on the road all the time. So when I came back, I assumed that I was going to use my connections in LA. I was going to continue to work on the road but make Baton Rouge home base, mm -hmm. lower my overhead, and then my wife would have more support when I was on the road. Um, and then kind of what Jim's story is, is Jim got into the market to produce affordable technology. So you go 2009, right when I came home, Canon released a camera called the 5D. And that camera changed video forever and ever and ever. Really? And ever. How so? Uh, it was a $2,500 camera to start that probably was a mistake by Canon, because I don't think they realized they had made such a powerful video camera. And they had five to seven thousand dollar cameras that they wanted you to buy mm -hmm. and they made this stills camera that all of a sudden had a video feature and it was amazing um worked well in low light uh got you in on cheap i mean i could shoot all sorts of stuff run and gun on a shoulder rig 2500 for the camera 2500 for the edit bay for five thousand dollars i had a production studio that was the equivalent of what would have been 150,000, but the you know 10 years before five years before so what is the market like here and, and how many of your clients are local Local companies. Majority are national. local. Yeah, majority are local. Video is blowing up. Um, if you don't necessarily believe it, just watch the way your kids communicate. They don't call each other anymore. They send They've each other Snapchat videos. They've moved on even <laughs> from text. They Snapchat. And they there's Snapchat always a videos. visual interaction. Visual storytelling is a wonderful way to tell a story. Um, we now have free distribution through the web. You go back historically to make a commercial. Paying the creative agency was one cost, but on top of that, you had to pay for distribution. How are you going to get it out? Were you going to put it on VHS, DVD? Were you going to pay for a commercial block, you know, your time on, on air? So we've removed that. You can yeah. use social media. So now our floodgates are open to any business, any entity, anyone with an idea. And so the creatives, thanks to guys like Jim who innovate, have all the control. And we don't have to live in a studio system with all the money controlling it. The creatives now have the control. And yet telling a story, the elements of good storytelling are still the same, are they not? Absolutely, yeah. Um, it's the key to all our videos. Um, I think you have a, a good narrative, you have a good story, and you know how to pull that out of people. And I think that's really what, what drives Tommy's TV. I mean, it's got to be our selling point now. Every kid has a camera, right? So you're, you're mm -hmm. sitting there reaching out, and you're like, my nephew has a camera. You're like, that's awesome, you know? <laughs> and you're like, cool, well, let, let that kid make a video. And then, but I think over time, what you see at Tommy's TV is we have a process. Um, we believe it's almost like a craftsman, right? Like the, like a blacksmith or like that level of work, of craft. Mm -hmm. um, and we fight with that. How do we quantify it? How do we sell it? People all the time are like, how much does a video cost, Tommy? And you're like, geez, that's a tough question. Sure. <laughs> you know, like we're building a brick wall. How many bricks are we laying and how big is the wall? Like, where are we going? How tall is it? You know, like all these things. And so it's, it's not really easy to quantify on that level. Aren't, aren't there more good independent movies? to make now if it is so cheap and available? Absolutely. Um, I'm not sure the market's not slightly flooded. Um, I don't truly understand 
um, the filmmaking world. I can tell you with the tax credits, I like at least the intent of some of the direction they went. Um, I think the cuts were devastating because the, the, the written rule got a little convoluted and people don't know what to do with it now. But the idea that they lowered the threshold to $50,000 to arm local filmmakers where I could go to a person with a little bit of money and raise fifty dollars to $100,000 and then play with that threshold and take advantage of some of these things is really good. And I think Patrick Mulhern would tell you, be, the, be the first oh, to tell you that. Um, but the other side of it, you know, and I know we're not necessarily getting into tax credits, but yeah, the, the idea that Louisiana was getting taken advantage of potentially by back-to-back-to-back Tom Cruise movies at $250 million a pop, <laughs> I get that maybe you should think about that. Um, but the industry's hurting right now. The industry I think, is hurting. Yeah. And, and is it affecting you? Because I did mention that at the beginning, and, uh, you know... Yeah, it's. Um, I hear people from your side of the business have, are leaving in droves. Absolutely. The creative side, the, which the, is the talent we built up here. Right, which is the part that's hurting us. So we had a Cuddy Sark commercial that we shot recently, and you go to hire your recent art department hires, and all of a sudden you're making calls in New Orleans, Baton Rouge, and everyone's in Atlanta. Yep. They're gone. So now we're left with, like, what we were doing in terms of the size of Tommy's TV is we'd hire the, the set dresser, who was an aspiring art director who hadn't crossed that threshold for major fil big films yet worked under great art directors, and they would come us, under us, get an art director credit, and we could pay them their, basically their set dress rate. We made it, made it affordable for everyone, got them their experience. Well, that's the echelon that's gone now. They're gone. Yeah, and there's still some big shots sitting around because the big ones come through and it's gonna be hand-delivered hand, mm -hmm. hand to them, but yeah, the, a, lot of the, a lot of the workforce is gone. Jim, have the changes to the tax credits affected your business at all? Not much. We, um, we use the digital media tax credit uh, which is designed for companies that develop software for media production. Mm -hmm. And we also use a research and development credit. So th those, I think those stayed intact. Um, and they've been, they've been good for us too. Yeah. They've been a big part of how, how has the market for your products evolved over time? The market, well, what we've done is we, I mean, years ago, um, we, we saw the need for, um, software development. We started off as a, what was a hardware, what we call embedded software, but sort of application software. So we, um, about 10 years ago, we started a company in Hamburg, Germany, and we started developing um, a product we call Studio One, which is um, was a digital audio workstation. And, um, you know, for Tommy's role, it'd be that, you know, it'd be the, the, the composer's software, mm -hmm. right? And, and we, you know, we continue to build that platform so you can score to film uh, on it, but you can you can create records, you can create entire projects um, uh, with the software. So it changed in that direction. We saw that come. We also saw coming the uh, the, the web, you know, the cloud, things mm -hmm. like that, and that and how musicians communicate, and how creative people communicate in the web. So we bought a company called Nimbit out of Boston a few years ago, and we've used that platform to allow all of our end users to communicate and share ideas and projects. Um, and kind of create their own sort of marketplace between them. So, so and it's like a closed system for... Yeah, and, yeah, in other words, it's it's not a closed system, but I think what you're saying is sort of a proprietary right. system where they can all get online and feel like they're not going to be infiltrated by just everybody, you know, on the internet, uh, pouncing yeah. on for ideas. Um, I think the world more and more is getting like that, where creators want to communicate in an environment where other people at their same, or just a similar level of, of talent can, can share ideas, you mm -hmm. know, so. Do we, you find we, that, Tommy? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of, you know, in a creative space, it's 
vulnerable. I, when I talk to young people getting in the business, it's like the biggest thing you have to worry about is the fear of failure. It shuts so many creatives down because it's scary. You're putting yourself out Absolutely. there every day. Absolutely. And um, it's interesting because I have a 23-year-old uh, gentleman who just started working for us. And so it's like at 35 now watching some of the, <laughs> the message boards that they know about or the tech they know about or learning Snapchat. I'm still trying to figure it out. And he's like, Tommy, we have to use this. I'm like, okay, well, this is the program I'm trying to get my children to not use when I'm right. not looking. <laughs> so how am I going to use it for business? No. You know, <laughs> Teach me, sir. No, um, I mean, and the change has been so, so rapid. It's, it's mm -hmm. amazing. And, and of course, so many changes in the music business, so many of them maybe for the better in terms of technology, but just the whole delivery system, right? And the, and the monetization, and I mean, that have really decimated so many of the, the producers, you know, and the people that, that were behind it. Has that changed things for Presonus over the years? Or y'all well, been able to take advantage of it, or? Um, and and it, it, it affects the, you know, the, the number of musicians that can support themselves mm -hmm. as music as a career. Is, I mean, that's hard. It's a hard career. Um, but on the flip side of it, it opens the doors for um, for millions of people that want to see if they could uh, maybe find an audience to buy their product, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and because the, I mean, consumer demand for video and music has to be continuously growing because of all the devices that you can play this on like an iPhone or an iPad or an Android or you know every, everywhere else. So I just see the demand going up, um, but the payout for the work going down. So it's a, it's, it's a, little, it's a little tough right now. What do y'all think of delivery systems like YouTube, for instance, or Spotify? I mean. Well, Spotify um, is, you know, the problem with Spotify, they, they've, they've been sort of bought uh, piece by piece by the large record companies. Universal Music owns a big chunk of them now. So they're getting what they're doing. They use Spotify sort of as a data platform to try new 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 artists. So they can put them out there for three weeks. If they don't see what they want, they pull it and go to the next one. So the, you know they've gotten real smart about it. Huh. Um, the, the record companies have. The the, uh, the artists don't get paid near what they used to get paid. No. Um, in fact, we lost a battle, uh, the Grammy Association, the NARIS, it's called National Association Recording Arts and Sciences Group, lost a battle with Congress last week trying to um, sort, of, sort of get more royalty pay for, for works that are being used by YouTube and Spotify and things like that. So I was it's a continuous battle. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, YouTube, I mean, I don't know much about Spotify. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't it relate into our world as much, but. YouTube is a wonderful platform in the sense of um, distribution. Um, we also use Vimeo a lot. Vimeo, um, that's one I've never heard of. Vimeo is kind of more peer-to-peer, -peer, I would mm -hmm. say. It's more of a filmmaker's place to hang out in terms of just putting out your works. Um, the compressions they use, they allow you to upload bigger files and let they compress their videos less. YouTube is more of just like every anything and everything, people just throwing content up. So we use both of them. Um, YouTube is a it's a wonderful place, I mean, I think, in terms of keeping content going, no matter what it is. If you are in business, if you're out there trying to do something, content is king now. You just have to find your voice and find how you're going to get it out there. And, and are you still an active creative participant yourself? I am. Um, we, uh, we have conversations all the time because I, at this point, should potentially uh, not be taking the project from zero, A to A to Z. 
Um, be creative on the upfront, be creative on the packaging, be creative on the sale to get everyone on the same page and then let go. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of my mentors have told me, obviously what got you here is not what's going to project you into the future, so you look into adjustments. And so it's a, it's a daily battle. We were approached by D1 recently. I don't know if y'all saw his music video about paying Sally Maybach, but it became yeah. a, um, an internet sensation overnight. Rappers tend to sing about a Mercedes that is called a Maybach, it's a high-end Okay. Mercedes, so rap culture, bragging about your car. So this socially conscious rapper out of New Orleans who presents himself as the alternative has a rap, he raps up bragging about paying Sally May back. Okay. In terms of paying off his school debts, <laughs> which is an awesome video because kids need to hear that. So he approached us and he wants to talk about um, how he does not have a car note in his next single that'll hit YouTube. And so I very much wanted to take that on and have it on. And the whole song's talking about having enough money to do things he wants now because he drives a 98 Accord. And the, you know, people, people judge him because he's a rapper and he's still driving that old of a car. So it's, a, it's fun, but I wanted that one. Like I took it, like it's mine. I'm storyboarding it, I'm writing the creative ad, I'm working directly with D1. Should I be doing that? I don't know. But <laughs> it's it wouldn't be it's fun me in my sandbox, right? Would, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, I think and, it's And Jim, you still play in, in your sandbox too? Or are you strictly now administrative, big thinker guy? No, I uh, I still play music. I played, oh, yeah, wonderful. played last weekend. <laughs> so, um, in fact, a lot of our staff play music. It's funny on Friday afternoon. There's there's vans and like uh, you know trailers in our parking lot with PA systems in them, and you know people going out to gig. So it's, that's know, fantastic. Yeah, we still stay real in touch with that. Y'all have grown so big. You could be anywhere. What what keeps you in Baton Rouge? <coughs> well, my family's here. Um, the, one of the earliest investments we received was from uh, Louisiana Economic Development, part of what was called a seed capital fund mm -hmm. in the mid-90s. Um, so as, uh, you know, as an owner in our company, we, we, we stay in touch with LED. And, and I'm also very active in um, local government, if I could, if I can be. I'm on the, uh, was on Governor Jindal's uh, Innovation Council I'm on the Workforce Investment Council for the state now. You know, we've been debating tops and all this kind of thing yeah. in the last year. But um, so we're pretty invested here. Um, the tax credits paid, played a big part in that, you know? Sure. Mm -hmm. What do you all think we need more of here in Baton Rouge that we don't have? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I want the talent here. I want the yeah. creatives here. I want to control the idea of watching the tax credit succeed at level one, which was get the blue collar workers jobs, keep it here, watching them import director, watching them import every skill, creative, high end position, um, just is disappointing. It makes sense. It's uh, getting on a feature, shooting for three months, you go with your go-tos, you go with your trusted, you go to war, war with these guys every day, and requires someone on our end to take the creative from the beginning, start building teams, start building directors, start building the talent. Um, and, and controlling some of that on our end. I mean, I want to see a production company making films from here and doing, succeeding Soup at it at a high level. Absolutely, thing. yeah. What about in your in your business? Well, it's just uh, uh, it's the same thing. It's talent here. You know, mm -hmm. in other words, the, the way and our our business is very unique um, for this part of the part of the world. Absolutely. Most of our competitors in California, um, you know, Washington State, Seattle, uh, New York, Boston. And so we're pretty unique here. I think Austin may be the, the closest place where there's media engineers. Um, so, you know, for us, um, in, you know, in Baton Rouge, it, it, 
we always have to sell the city when we we import people. Oh, here. I bet you do. Yeah, and that's a big part of it. You know, we have to sell them on edu you know, getting their kids educated here. Is it a safe place to come to? Um, and is is housing affordable? What, you know, what's what's the cost of living as compared to California, for example? Um, so it, it's it's important for us that the just the infrastructure here continues to sort of get funded, so to speak. I don't know how to explain that, but you know, no, I, make I, it feel yeah. safe, make it feel like the schools are in constant improvement programs and so forth. Mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. Before we wrap up, because we're running out of time here, what, what's next for, for both of you on the immediate horizon? Well, we're, um, you know, our company continues to expand. We're, um, we're working on some new online software pro, uh, uh, products, I'll call them, and um, that are going to be pretty fun. Uh, we're working with some of the major record labels to allow, for example, kids to mix uh, music that they hear on the radio, stuff like that. So we're trying to bring in sort of consumer-based, um, cloud-based uh, programs for that. But then on the flip side of that, we're also doing um, very large-scale uh, PA systems and touring systems for concerts. Okay. So we got you know, sort of a whole spectrum of technologies. Excellent. Mm -hmm. What about Tommy's TV? It's, yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on. There's a few different things. I think one of uh, my personal top priorities for us is we were fortunate enough to, I was fortunate enough to produce The Walk Off, which was the ESPN SEC Network documentary on the Warren Morris home run. Um, our team, whole team got to work mm -hmm. on that. Um, and I think forward thinking, like I love documentary and I personally want to keep pushing that direction and tell great stories like that. Um, on the business side of it, Tommy's TV has had rapid growth. Um, I am a creative first and learning to be a businessman. <laughs> so if you were to ask me the book reading question, I'm reading books on business. Okay. Catching <laughs> up on that MBA I never got, right? And uh, tr you know, bringing in a lot of people who I trust to really advise me and help me build systems and processes so that as we put our heads down and be creative mm -hmm. that Tommy's TV is still plugging ahead and has um, you know, full steam. Well, gentlemen, this has been so interesting, and it's always great to hear about successful companies doing innovative things in the Baton Rouge market, and especially encouraging to find out we're doing so many great things in the digital arts. So thank you both for sharing your stories with me today on Out to Lunch. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Jim Odom, co-founder and president at PreSonus Audio, and Tommy Talley, founder of Tommy's TV. You can find out more about PreSonus and Tommy's TV by following the links on our website, itsbatonrouge.la and wrkf.org. Today's show is recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily from 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. You can see photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Facebook page. These photos are taken by Ken Stewart. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitch's latest album, Puzzle, is out now. You can find out more about that at mitchellforeman.com. You can get this show as a podcast, you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsbatonrouge.la and wrkf.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. 
Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, JonesWalker.com, and by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum. Thank you.